you you sound perfect now. Oh my gosh, my mic was backwards. <laughs> my mic was backwards. All live. This is all live, folks. This is all yeah. live. All I'm saying is, if God wanted us to record a podcast last week, he would not have struck you with a deathly illness. <laughs> so this is out of our hands. This is God's holy will. Who are we to judge? And exactly. Who is it's like every time listening. It's like judge? it's like it's just it's uh it's like we're always uh, uh every time we're like oh yeah we're back to regular stuff it's mm-hmm. just like something comes up which is you know it is it is what it is this is not lying this is all the intentions are pure and true but we bow to the will of the Almighty well then we God. try to record today and like i don't know i don't know what it's like for listeners on my end like father anthony's kind of sounding echoey and a little buzzy and stuff so we'll see what happens or yeah, maybe Nick, maybe yeah. Nick that works miracles. Maybe Nick works. He does works. do that. We, then we can, can call him Saint Nick. Um, yeah. You know. So, uh, but yes, yes. You know, God, God just keeps on. Maybe this is God's way of saying, just blow it all up. Maybe. Um, I mean, I need a clearer sign than that, but it's something I'm putting in my notes just to see. You know, continue or not continue. Clerically speaking, but for now, we'll keep going. Um, Father Harrison, the other day I yep. was uh, going to hear confessions for my youths. They were doing a, um, uh, not a work thingy, a um, mission week, Gilio, up in the northern end of my diocese. It was at this campsite, and I was going there to hear confessions. They were having this outdoor adoration and stuff in this little pavilion. Good stuff. And I, because I'm I'm holy, um, because I am a servant of the people of God, I even went to hear confessions on my day off. That's just just how dedicated I am. You know, you got to... You got to help out the youths in this situation. So I drove all yes. the way up to Newcastle to do this thing in Pennsylvania. And I get there, and there's some of my priest buddies there as well helping out. And the one guy says to me as I'm walking down this little pathway, he says, watch out for ticks. Now, I I don't think I've ever been bit by a tick. I don't know what one looks like. But, like, how does one watch out for ticks? Like This is a good point because, like, they're small creatures. Right? It's not like I can like see one coming at me like, oh no, and like do like a matrix dive to watch out for that tick or whatever. Right. And it got me very paranoid the entire time. Did you have like closed toe shoes? I did, I did. And I rolled good. down my clerical sleeves, so I figured that yep. was that was a good pants? thing to do. I had pants. I always wear pants. Good. Um, so and so I did fine. all that and they also they also stuck these like little incense thingies like by my chair. Uh-huh. And like lit them on fire. I assume that was to ward off the bugs. Probably. Um, but also, it smelled kind of nice, so it was just kind of enjoyable. Um, but that just got me paranoid the entire time. I was afraid that like the ticks were out to get me specifically. You know, it was the warning threw me off. And I, I'm not sure if I was able to hear confessions with a clear conscience in mind because of of the I mean the cabal of ticks. Right. They must hate priests, right? I mean, they probably do. I mean, just the name tick, right, means they're 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 annoying to our state. Mm-hmm. Indeed, yeah, and like I've had a priest buddy who got Lyme disease. I don't, I don't need that in my yeah, life. Exactly, exactly. We're busy men. I'm we got, sleepy we got, enough we got... as it is already. <laughs> yes, you are. Freaking ticks! <laughs> I know. I just downed my second are, double espresso for the you day. You are, you are the master of sleep. I wish I could sleep as you do. Yeah, the thing is, like, I, I, the reason well, why I sleep well is because I don't but... sleep well. You know, I yeah. take naps because I stay up too late and whatever. Hmm. But. uh I braved the ticks. I yes. heard the confessions. And it's actually really beautiful. The sun was setting, yep. the music playing in the background, there's adoration. And you know the, the thing, these kids, they don't know it. They don't know it. 
but they're holy kids. It was just, it, it, it lightened my heart just to see how hard they're trying and honestly pursuing God. And yeah, there's something about sometimes, you know, especially teen confessions on like retreats where they're just like open to the spirit and they're holding Mm -hmm. nothing back. It was just beautiful. Good. Nice. It's worth it. I, I I was, you see, I'm a little disappointed right now though. Uh huh. Why? Because you promised me rants. Oh yeah, 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 I got that. That's for the that's for the main topic, my friend. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so now a little rants. teaser there. There's a little teaser there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry, turn that off there. Um, nice. No, that's good. Yeah, I know. It's, it's you see, it's, it's interesting in my diocese because like we have teenagers. Obviously, I mean every diocese does, but like it's very. It, it's <laughs> yeah. I find it like like my parish, for example, got a lot of kids like twelve and under. Mm-hmm. got a lot of young adults 18 to like 35 or 40 yeah. or whatever right? like and then like but like almost no teens yeah no like high school kids yeah like there's a couple and i feel bad i'd like to do something for them but i'm like there's just not enough to warrant yeah i need a bait mm-hmm. you need a base to start with right before you yeah. can even think about growing outside of, like to evangelize and all that stuff so it's like i uh it's good though yeah yeah it's like so i've never had a ton of I was like when I was in Victoria, maybe, but it's like here, I was like, I don't get a lot of exposure to teen stuff. Mm-hmm. But they're good. Yep. They're and good. all the guys should become priests. Yes. And uh, yeah. Yes. All and the, then all, all the women, and then all women become nuns, and then Absolutely. the world will come to an end because there won't be Amen. any more kids. This, that's, I've been saying this for a long time. <laughs> and the madness, everyone embrace celibacy. Because we all know that. You know, imposed celibacy will be lived strictly and beautifully by all those who take those vows. After all, voluntary celibacy is lived so well in the Ex- church nowadays. Exactly. exactly. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Your plans have been thwarted. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, welcome back to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. And I am Father Harrison. So, yeah, I was sick last week. Um, I don't, like, it was weird. So, when I got, when I got back from... Um, England, like my throat was doing weird things. Like it's just, I don't, I don't know if I had, uh, if I had uh, like done something weird to my to my throat or like stretched it weird because I was just feeling weird like for a whole week. That is weird. And then you know I was just feeling off uh, for for a bit there. And then like the week after my retreat, I was feeling off. And then last week I was just like, I got sick. But like Tuesday, you know that feeling when you're you're doing stuff and suddenly like you just feel like you're tired, like you just got hit by like a, a freight truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's what hit me on hmm. Tuesday night. And so Wednesday morning, I was supposed to have like pastoral counsel, which I said, hey, guys, here's the things I need you guys to talk about. Like, just report back to me because I'm going home back to bed. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it was a morning meeting right after mass. And I was just like, I got I and I was just out. I was out. I was mm-hmm. napping all. The one nice thing when I'm sick is like it's the one few times of the year I can actually nap. Yeah, because your body just shuts down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, so I was sick there. And then, uh, you know, and then I was feeling fine. Um, then Friday hits and I. I was feeling like I was like probably like ninety percent okay. Like I was still feeling a little, uh, but like nothing, no fever or anything. Just like mm-hmm. a little still under the weather. So I go to hear confession, say mass in the morning, and I we do just we do short adoration over the summer for just an hour after Friday mass, and then so I'm just sitting in the pew for my holy hour, and my watch goes off at, uh, in the middle of it and it says, "Your resting heart rate for the last ten minutes has been over one twenty-five. Oh, oh. And you, you were, you weren't like doing anything. It's not your. I mean, I was sweating. <laughs> I was sweating. I was getting. I was like, it was hot, right? Yeah. But I, I'm like, oh, that, that's, that's not normal. Uh, so no, I, okay. I, I phoned up a parishioner who is a doctor, and I said, hey, like, 
I'm trying to take this seriously, but I don't want to go into the hospital if it's like normal because like I was just sick or something. He goes, well, that might be part of that. But 125 is when you're sitting down doing nothing is you should probably go get that checked out. So by the time I got to the hospital, my heart rate was like 135 to 150. Yeah, no. So this is actually why I got the the Apple Watch was because like, especially as priests, we like in my case, we pretty much all live alone. So Mm -hmm. you want something that can alert you if something's going wrong that you may not always be aware of that you don't have people around you to deal with things right away. It's like, it's it's like your little companion for health stuff Mm -hmm. in that way. Um, So I did not do benediction. I went straight to the hospital and I was in there for like nine hours, eight hours, nine hours in the ER. So did they sell you? So, you know, I mean, they got me in. It's funny. So I walk in and the, the, the lady at the desk says, the greeter or whatever says, oh, so who are you here to see? I'm like, actually, I'm a client today. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, I said, oh, I'm actually. I'm at, on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I said, I have a heart rate of 135 right now and it's not slowing down and I don't know why. And mm-hmm. so she goes, so you go sit over there. And like they, so when they, it's hard stuff, they kind of throw you up the list anyways. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they saw me pretty quickly and then got the ECG, did blood tests. And then, um, so, and the funny thing was the doctor who's looking after me is a brother of one of my parishioners. <laughs> so, oh, that's nice. <laughs> for my young adult group, which was really great. So he was, he's a great doctor. I, I mean, like, actually, that was one nice thing was like the AR staff were generally really good, but I had mm-hmm. to like get, I had to get poked like three times. One, yeah. Like, so blood tests, the first blood person, great. Awesome. Like I have horrible mm-hmm. veins for finding blood. Um, like I'm, it, it's not fun. The second one, not so good. And she had to take a lot more. And then they had to put an IV in me for a CT scan. Cause like with, I guess like D dimer was a little elevated, which means there might be a, blo- a clot somewhere. <laughs> and I had just traveled from England. He was like that, you know, maybe I have a pulmonary embolism. I'm like, what? Yeah, that's scary. but as my friend said, that's the case. You are in the best place possible right now to catch it and to deal with it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Good, you know. So, turns out there was no issues there. They couldn't find any clotting, no pulmonary embolism, which is good. But I was in there, you know. And then he said, "Just take it easy for a weekend." So I had I canceled confessions. I just had mass for the weekend. That was it. I canceled all my sure, appointments, sure, yeah. all that stuff. So that was, you know, interesting. The and it's like and and um, God bless my parishioners. Like it's just it is funny how much gossip does actually really exist in the parish because I didn't really tell oh, many absolutely. people at all. Yeah, but the word got out somehow because like I think. There's a few prisoners at the hospital who saw me and stuff. Yeah. And there's the word got out. So I did not greet people after mass on the weekend because I did not want to explain 200 times, but it happened. <laughs> and, but then like I go out the side door Saturday night and God bless them all like the gay air. But it's like, I got like 12 medical opinions all at once about what they think of I course. should be doing. Yeah. And I'm just like, I just, I, just, I don't, this is, this doesn't help right now. I'm actually going to go home. And I'm just going to go rest. And it was actually kind of nice to just sit back and read for the weekend, essentially. And that was kind of, which was actually like very restful and needed. Um, it does tell me like I do. I, I, I think I was, I actually, my theory is I probably had COVID. I bet you did. Ah, Ooh, you sound, if this was wrong. You, you sound perfect now. Oh my gosh. My mic was backwards. My mic was backwards. All live. This is all live, folks. This is all yeah. live. I'm like, why does he sound so weird? This is so weird. I was, I, I was just, <laughs> as you we were talking, I'm looking at my mic. I'm like, I wonder if that guy's back. Yep, it's backwards. Yep. <laughs> Woo. Well, there okay, we go. There we go. There we go. That's good. All right. No, it was crisis of fruit. So anyways, but the people were nice at the hospital. It was great. And it was just, it was a, that was a first for me. You know, it, 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 it puts a little memento mori of, oh, I better get my like will together and uh, <laughs> yeah. and my medical, 
my medical plan for like uh what do they call it there the, the things like your end of life stuff about like yeah, resuscitation yeah. orders and all that stuff so i gotta start working on that when i get back from world youth day but uh yeah that was uh that was unique it sounds like it was kind of an emergency i mean you know what <laughs> yeah i mean yeah go 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 ahead go ahead. yeah uh, yeah yeah you know yeah. what else is can be emergent em, emergent size emergical emergent uh, theological emergencies thank you for calling clerically speaking if this is truly a theological emergency please dial one at any time Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. Oh, we're back with the great transitions. Haven't lost a step. Love it. All right, let's see what we got here. Hi, this is Mars from Phoenix. Um, And first, I have a question. So, Father Anthony... I love Pad Thai, but I'm a vegetarian and can't eat fish oil. Can I substitute something in for that? Or what substitutes can I use? Um, my actual theological question is, so in the resurrection, right, uh, our bodies will be glorified. So if I, a good Catholic, donate my body uh, or donate my organs after death, and that the person who receives my organs or an organ chooses to be cremated what happens to my remains afterwards like if somebody else gets my heart what happens to my heart in the resurrection right do i get it back is it just gone what happens thanks well uh marvin phoenix if that is your real name uh i uh, do you even have a heart because you have obviously rejected god's bounty he has given us the the fish of the sea the birds of the air and the cattle of the land to feast upon and you just reject god's wow. gift so you've I, lost all it, vegetarian listeners now yeah yeah and you know what good because we don't need weak listeners we want strong meeting yeah no no, no. Oh, darn it Let's first go. of all first of all this is why you know you say <laughs> you like pad thai but you can't eat like fish oil well and apparently you have right you you've eaten pad thai before and you didn't die and it was delicious wasn't it so just eat regular pad thai now Fish but, oil, oh, but, but, it's but, but, not but, really fish oil. It's like a fish sauce, which is like a okay. fermented something. Yeah, something that stuff stinks so much in your fridge. No, it doesn't. You put a lid on it. Yeah, well, it does not smell. I've got, I've got <laughs> sesame, toasted sesame oil, <laughs> right, soy right. sauce, fish oil, tiramid sauce. None of it smells but, bad because it's all got a lid on it. By the way, like people didn't start eating meat in the Old Testament until like after the flood or something like that, I believe. Uh, well, I, all I know is that uh, I'm a Christian. And Jesus sent this nice, nice carpet down to to our first pope and said, "Eat all this stuff." But that was just a dream. Like you're gonna you're gonna base your judgment on a dream. Absolutely, because because the uh, fish and and meats they are they are the dreamiest of foods. They okay. they make okay. me have sweet dreams. All right, I will. Um, so Sorry. don't be. My first suggestion is don't be weak. You know, just just eat eat the fish. The fish want you to eat them. Otherwise, they just like die in the ocean. Like, what a waste. What I a mean, waste. of all the things, Jesus did eat fish. He definitely, he had the, for breakfast, he loved fish so much. Be That's like right. Jesus, eat fish. 
Um, now, I, I I have seen a recipe where you use like some sort of like ketchup instead of like, but but no, just no. Either eat the pad thai or don't eat the pad thai. Okay, this I'm saying I know I sound harsh, but this is coming from the heart of a loving father, and Jesus wants you to eat fish. So first of all, just just do that. Okay, good. Um, second of all, um, let's assume that you do have a heart and you donate it. Um, I consider organs, they're on loan, right? Because that person had a heart that wasn't working and you, you traded hearts or whatever. They'll get their original heart back. You'll get your original heart back. It's kind of like on loan for a while. So at the resurrection, even if the the organs you donate were cremated by somebody else, um, it might take a little bit longer for you for all the like little pieces to gather up from one side of the world and go to the other. Because everyone knows that's how the resurrection is going to happen. Just all these body parts are going to f- be flying around the air. Just like boom, 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 boom across the world. So it might take a few moments longer for you. But don't worry. You'll get your original heart back. And it will be a, a, a resurrected heart, a glorified heart, and also your eyeballs and whatever else you want. That, that's fine. So don't worry about that. Your main worry is that you need to change your diet and at the very least eat fish. Um, fish is great. There you are. Steak is better. But come on. Yeah, like I... I... Here's the thing. We actually don't yeah. know how the resurrection of the body works, except for like one event, which is like Jesus. Uh-huh. Okay. So the church doesn't really say much, except for what we know from the data about Jesus. And mm-hmm. Jesus didn't donate or any organs, right? So we actually just we don't know. Yeah. Like I'm actually just okay saying do it. We don't know and we won't know until the resurrection of the body happens. Okay, this is what but we the do church know. We do does know. allow, I believe, yeah. but the church does allow for organ donation. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I just have too many friends in the medical field, and that kind of wor- the whole organ donation worries me personally. But that's my own hangout. Right. right. Um, but uh, we do know that it will be our bodies, right? Yes. The resurrected bodies will be our bodies. They'll be uh, not new in the sense of like they'll be like these prefab bodies that right. God gives us. They'll be authentically ours. Yes. Um, Yes. What exactly does that mean? You're right. The church is agnostic about this because, you know. We don't have data uh, yeah. because it hasn't happened yet. Right. Except for Jesus. And that's, Except like, for Jesus. We, that's where we get the doctrine from mm-hmm. because of, like, the uni- unity of human nature. But, like, yeah. but, like, when it comes to, like, the pragmatics and practicals of how this is going to look for each person, I think, like, the church will reflect on that reality when she's saying, oh, yes, organ donation is okay. Because she's, so we can, I think the best we can do is say, because the church says organ donation is okay, we're, we can be comforted that we're going to be okay at the resurrection of the body. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I still like my theory that all the parts are going to be zooming around the air, just reassembling. Like relics, right? and, just like re- yeah. relics. Yeah. Just like the relics, absolutely. Poor St. Thomas. Yeah, he'll be all, all over right. the place. St. John uh, the Baptist will have two heads. It'll be very confusing. Hello, Father Harrison and Father Anthony. My name is Zachary. I am from Lethbridge, Alberta, and I help with sacramental preparation at my parish. I was just curious about something we've run into, and then, struck me as being a theological emergency. I uh, am a new listener to the program, so keep up the good work, guys. You're you're getting new people in. So my question is this. How does somebody who is mute go to the sacrament of confession? I uh, Would they be looking at learning, having to learn how to do sign language? Would they be looking at a written list? Would that be permissible? Is just uh, a curiosity that came up in my job recently, so I was just wondering if you guys had an answer for it. Anyways, God bless and thank you so much. All right, Zachary, if that is your real name, although Lethbridge, Alberta is a real place uh, from mm. the province, province next, province next door, province sure. next door. Uh, sure 
I found this one an interesting question because actually I have a priest friend who is deaf. Mm -hmm. um, and he wrote his master's thesis on how he, he argues that it could be a possibility that a deaf priest could consecrate with sign language. Mm -hmm. Now, he's not arguing that it's for sure the case, but he's just saying he thinks that there's a theological openness to the idea. If how does, what, so what does the church understand about what she understands by language, uh, words, all this stuff, right? Um, but what's interesting here is is the matter for on the penitent side for confession is is to communicate the sin, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's supposed to be done personally. It's supposed to be done in person. But they can actually do a few things, to my knowledge, on this. They can, I think you can either kind of write a list out that the priest could then read with you in person. Uh, you can actually have someone there on your, like, so like this happens, for example, with foreign languages. So the priest has to actually understand the sin that's being confessed because he's also judging not just on the heart of Christ, but on part of the church to reconcile you with the church. So you have to actually understand what he's judging, right? Um, so uh, you have to under you have to be able to hear it in your own language, <laughs> um, or a language that you understand. So like I I have heard uh, foreign language confessions before, where someone with like I don't know, let's say like Vietnamese or something like that, a, like their kid or their cousin or friend will come in with them. They'll say the sins in Vietnamese, and then the person will translate that into English for the priest. And that's allowable. That's actually allowable. Sure, uh, sure. Because the person is still communicating. It's just it needs to translate so the priest can actually understand what he's judging. Um, but then it also allows uh, – but then the person who is in there with you is also bound by the seal. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, – yeah, of course. Right? They are also bound by the seal. Um, it doesn't happen often, but it can happen, right? Um, so – because like in my parish, for example, like I, I, I have a lot of Vietnamese people, a lot of – like I have a lot of foreign language people who maybe not – so it's why it's also good to have priests with different languages – in the world for these reasons. Um, but so I do think actually it would be fine to just like either you could write a list or you could write a list out in front of the priest in that moment and he's just reading mm -hmm. it out, something like this. Or if they if the priest knows sign language, he could, he could, a person could sign it out and then he could understand it and then he could sign out like the words of absolution as long as he's also saying the words, mm -hmm. right? So uh, that's, so there's a variety of ways because like the matter is just like to communicate the fact the sins uh but there's actually a, there is actually a flexibility on how that can be communicated yeah okay a couple things uh one yeah. um i i mean i've um quote unquote heard uh uh deaf confessions before so the person isn't yeah. technically mute but just can't right. communicate because yeah. right there's a different well there's a difference between deaf and mute right 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 exactly. a mute person so, can't talk a mute person right, can't right. talk but the way you know i've done it before is that they've written it out i read it in front of them um i write down a uh, a, a penance and then i do the uh, words of absolution and all that jazz. So, I mean, yeah, that works just fine. But now, Father Harrison, I think some of our listeners might be freaking out at something you said. Because oh. I bet I bet some of them, you know, on pilgrimage to Rome or some other place in the world, saw there's confession, and they got real excited because, you know, the, the, the priest doesn't know their language, so they could just confess without feeling judged or guilty, and the priest gave them absolution, even though the priest didn't understand what they said. Are you saying that those confessions are invalid? I'm not sure, to be honest. Because I don't think so. I think they're valid. Um, well, the absolute... No, no. I think you have to make a distinction between... Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I love distinctions. Uh, uh, um, I would call it illicit for sure. 100%. Because the priest does actually have to understand what he's hearing. Mm -hmm. 
because that's like that's part of the sacrament is a communication. Because like, because mm-hmm. what it does is it actually saves people from going. I'm going to go to the Italian priest who doesn't speak English. I'm going to mm-hmm. say because I don't want him to understand what I did. Right, 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 right. That, there's all kinds of spiritual problems with that baseline right. before we get right, to sacramental no. theology. We do it all the time. Right? We, do this, <laughs> yeah. we do this all the time as as, people, as human beings, yeah. right? So uh, because no, there is actually something to the idea of actually understanding on the part. Mm-hmm. Does it affect the validity of the sacrament? Probably not. I don't think so. Probably, I'd say probably because I actually haven't thought about it or looked into it. Uh, yeah. But I do think it would like be at least somewhat not according to the norm of the sacrament. Absolutely not according because, to the norm. Yeah. So it's like it's like saying, um, "Oh, I," you know, people will say something like, "Oh, did I? Did that priest actually absolve me?" Or it's like, "Yes, yes." If he said these words of absolution, like it happened objectively. Yeah, okay? exactly. So like, that's the th- I think that's the thing to think there. It's like, I, and you went there, like so. Like I think that's the other thing. It's like you went there. You maybe didn't know. That's not your fault. The, yeah, exactly. And the priest didn't know how to communicate it to you because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't speak your language. Or the priest uh, just didn't know and just was like, whatever. I would just... say that's probably a pretty rare occurrence because, like, if you go to Rome, for example, there's all the languages at St. Peter's yeah. available yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. So I don't think it's too much of a problem. I, my guess is that's pretty rare. Same with like hearing mute confessions. It's probably pretty rare. Mm-hmm. I've yet I've actually never encountered a mute person so in my life so mm-hmm. um but but you know it, it can happen so I do validity no because what is required for the validity is the, is the confet it is not necessary I guess for the actual validity of the sacrament for the sins to be understood mm-hmm. um but that it, they are confessed and that they are absolved yeah, that that is the requirement for the validity of the sacrament. So I'd say and they are valid. So, like I say, so don't worry, people. Don't worry, people. It's just. Yeah. But the norm is like we really should be going to a person who can actually understand us because right. the whole point is you're not just reconciling yourself with God, you're reconciling with yourself with the church, and the priest mm-hmm. stands for both. Yeah, yeah. I do think that if you are purposely going to a priest who you knew could not understand you, there is something about you trying to hide your sins from God's representative on earth that yes. may show a lack of contrition which may invalidate the sacrament. Like if you're purposely trying to hide your sins from the priest, but it sounds pretty close to um, not having the right uh, matter. I, I think mm-hmm. there's there, like, if you know, like a priest is a, like, here's the thing. Like, like I won't go to a priest who I know is kind of gossipy. Sure. Because I, not that I don't trust him. But to, you wouldn't like, go to, to a priest, but that's, that's different than going to a priest knowing and with the intention that the priest will not understand oh yes you. yes 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 right I think, that's then what I, I mean yeah then, then then yes you're not actually contrite you're just looking for the magic fix to ease yeah your you're, own you're looking for the magic magic yeah. jesus forgiveness mm-hmm. yeah good yeah. so yeah good question uh, uh yeah. another canadian listener this is good you see we're expanding yeah, we've, got a, we've, Canada. Got a, we've got a deaf community right up the road from us uh in a yeah. parish yeah so sometimes they they come over to our place too so, so. yeah this priest i mean this priest uh, friend of mine who's deaf uh, father matthew heisel he's a priest of the archdiocese of edmonton so he actually just finished his phd he teaches at the seminary part time, yeah. and he's also he's pastor of the deaf community in Edmonton, and mm-hmm. so which is great. Like, so he can do a homily in sign language, right? And they can all clap, you know, with, with yeah. the hands and everything. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. No, it's good. It's also, good. Yeah, yeah. Also, you think about it, like, um, if you can sin, then the Lord's going to make it possible for you to be forgiven somehow, right? Yeah. So <laughs> uh, there's going to be a way to do it. Uh, but good question though, because like, how does it actually work? How does it happen? Awesome. Yeah. All right, Father uh, Harrison, you you want to hear me rant? I do. Okay, let's get to it in presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral 
exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Oh. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh. It's the best part. <laughs> yes. Yes, quite. Yes, quite. So I'm gonna try to keep this vague because I don't want to call specific people out. Um, but uh, I'm just gonna kind of be real, real honest with this. So a few weeks ago, I was asked to give a uh, a men's talk, right? A talk on masculinity. Yeah. Which immediately I did not want to do. Um, <laughs> because I despise this topic. I don't despise the topic. It's a great topic. Right. But for me... You, is it like the attitudes about why people want it? It's because guys who talk about masculinity the most are the least masculine men I've ever met. <laughs> um, it's like, it's it so often becomes this performative thing like, I'm a man, be like me, so you can be manly. Right. Um, real dudes don't talk about being dudes, they just act like dudes. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. kind of like my philosophy, right? And yeah, I think, yeah. ideally, masculinity is best taught through example, through um, mentorship, through fatherhood, and all that stuff. Yeah. So, I think it becomes a difficult thing to talk about for that reason. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think, you know, um, we do have a, a crisis in masculinity in our culture and in our church. Um, I think it's it's the cause of a lot of uh, ills, both for men and for women in the church. And so you got to start somewhere. So talking about it is fine. Talking about it is fine. Right. But the other thing is that I think it's I think masculinity and femininity, if you take them seriously, are difficult to talk about um, because we're trying to balance these two things that masculinity and femininity are uh or as far as like your your gender being male or female um these are gifts given to us by god it's a part of how we are a person right mm -hmm. um so the church like affirms that like if you are uh, a male there's a gift in you being a dude if you're a female there's a gift in you being female right they are different okay mm -hmm. uh, but then you talk about like kind of like masculine and feminine traits that gets a little bit more um messy in the sense because some of that is culturally conditioned like mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a, you know how is manhood expressed in different cultures um it can be expressed differently right yeah. um and so you may have someone with a uh like a, a you know for today if a guy really likes poetry you might not consider that a masculine right. uh, expression right. of masculinity but if you were to go to like medieval times like the uh, dudes were poets all the time and that's what was part of it meant to be like a noble man was to be able to write poetry right, right? so that stuff kind of changes throughout history um, so we're trying to balance those two things and because um, a lot of uh, a certain section of the culture uh, wants to wash away the difference between masculinity and femininity and see them not as gifts and not as distinct a lot of times we swing the other way and make cultural masculinity an objective norm so what i mean is like to be a real dude you have to climb mountains and fight bears and sleep with women and do whatever else right and that kind of thinking has infiltrated catholics as well maybe not so much the sleeping with women thing though you know yeah. there, you can find that as well um but a like to be a man is to sacrifice and to be a man right. is to lead. And it's like, okay, okay, hold on a second. But what do you mean by that word sacrifice? And how do you understand exactly, it? Exactly, right? That's where it gets tricky. Both men and women are called to sacrifice, yeah. right? Uh, both men and women are called to virtue. Both <laughs> men and women are called to strength. Yep. I think we know intuitively that these are expressed in different ways. 
But a lot of times when I hear talks about guys, it's like they like this is what it means to be a man. Like, well, I would want women to have all those virtues as well, to be a good woman as well, right? So a lot of times we kind of wash over um, the nuances there. So I find it tricky at times to talk about. Make sense? Yep. 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 Um, and you feel like you feel like you're entering into a minefield essentially of of expectations yeah. and presumptions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's all the more compounded because we don't have a lot of good public examples. Because um, once again, if you're a public example of masculinity, there's a good chance you're trying to make money off of your own image, um, which is, yeah, okay. So it begins, and one of the guys leading this group talks about how uh, you know uh, masculinity is under attack from our woke culture. And immediately I was, I was triggered because I'm a big lefty, right? I was triggered because of the word woke. Yeah. Um, because actually, again, oh yeah, I'll, I'll rant about that in a second. <laughs> okay. You feel free to jump in if you want to. Well, just going to say, like, I, I get frustrated yeah. with anybody because what has essentially, so my theory around what's happened with woke, because like woke was first like a meme word, right? Yeah. You, you were on Twitter long enough back in the day that it was just like, it was a meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it went. I was like, it was like what? Awake, woke, bespoke, right? It was just like a. It was yeah. like a whole triptych of a meme and everything. What what happened was is like is conservative media outlets have essentially like grasped this term and sold it as something that encompasses a whole swath of issues that they've actually never defined, mm -hmm. and they just like to throw it as a buzzword to say. It's essentially like modernism for Catholics, you know? Yeah. The way we use modernism, everything's modernism. Everything's exactly. Woke, exactly. Right? right. It's the same thing. It's like it's a buzzword often. It doesn't have to be, but it's, it's become a buzzword um, where it has no like it's like three years ago. This was a meme word on Twitter and that mm -hmm. was it. It got yeah. it actually got usurped by a uh, certain because you need a, you need something to, to centralize focus on things like this mm -hmm. is how it's how you get, grab people's attention because they don't want to think about the nuances and obscurities of life they want something they can just stamp on everything and i just find that very frustrating because okay and i'm not saying that that some of the things under like that label i i don't agree with either right or right. that that's right that people throw that label i don't agree with either mm -hmm. but i don't like i hate the label because it actually doesn't say anything right it's not helpful it's not helpful at all uh, What's more is that it's it's a if you <laughs> okay so if you're a priest and you use the word woke uh, unironically it's time for you to I think you're sentenced to six months in a Carthusian monastery uh, because you've been too infected with the culture war right um, because the the political culture war is different than what we Catholics are fighting I think. Too, it's it's kind of like a if you're using the word woke in a serious sense, it just strikes me that you're too infected with American political culture, and what you see as being the right Catholic thing to do has actually been poisoned uh, by our very very powerful uh, American spirituality and culture. Like you're going to be missing the point. Um, also, uh, because that that word is not helpful to communicate to people who disagree with us. Um, so if you if you're having a debate about some sort of cultural issue and you say that this is woke, you, you've immediately shut off the conversation. It's just not helpful, right? Um, and like you said, a lot of things that would fall under that massive umbrella term, I also disagree with, and I think we should fight against those ideologies. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but uh, whenever you use that word, you strike me as as a child who needs to go sit in the corner and turn off his internet for a few months if you're unironically using the word woke, right? So that, that triggered me immediately. Um, so I, I think the, so there is, 
how I approach this talk and what I was dealing with. Um, yeah, there is a, an attack on masculinity in the sense of like the overuse of the word toxic masculinity, mm -hmm. um, which people use anything that is distinctly masculine is therefore bad, right? That's mm -hmm. not good. Masculinity is a gift and it's a good thing, right? To label it all but, as toxic. But again, is, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm only exposed to some things sometimes, but I feel like, yeah. again, that's also just something that a certain, like, those who will use the word woke will also talk about toxic masculinity the most. Yeah, yeah, Am I wrong? I don't yeah. know. Like, you're more exposed to this than I am. I'm an outside observer in many yeah. ways. No, right? Don't get me wrong. There is yeah. there is a twisted form of masculinity that if you want to call it toxic masculinity, it's a particular way in which guys can inflict wounds upon others through their a twisted form of their masculinity. If you want to call that toxic masculinity, fine. That works for me, right? There's definitely that phenomenon in the world, right? And it's bad. We don't like it. It's bad, right? right? Um, using your gifts as a man to hurt others is, yeah, if you want to call that toxic, absolutely. I'll agree with that. Okay. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, you're talking about toxic masculinity. Yeah. yeah. Um, so getting back to, you know, maybe take a step back, um, there, there, oh yeah, the, the attack on masculinity, people yeah, yeah. attributing yeah. everything that is inherently masculine as, as, um, toxic. That's bad. Um, and I think there is another thing that. Uh, we don't acknowledge enough um, is uh, men being wounded, right? And this this gets into a tricky situation as well because whenever, like, if I'm going to spend this podcast talking about the woundedness of men, I think a lot of people think about will be like, what about women and what about how men wound women and all that's fair and true and should be talked about but i can't do everything in one podcast right? right just because i'm talking about the woundedness of men or uh the crisis of masculinity does not make it more of a crisis than anything else but I also say this what affects half of humanity also affects the other half of humanity right um i think dealing with and healing men is a part not the whole but a part of also healing uh women as well uh because we live together if that makes sense so i'm not trying to say one's more important than the other um by talking about one but i'm just talking about one because that's the topic for today makes sense um okay so because there seems to be a crisis of identity of what it means to be a man uh because so often at the very least many men feel like their woundedness is ignored. Um, there is a, a grasping for masculine figures and masculinity. And so while indeed there are cultural forces attacking masculinity and ideologies attacking masculinity, I see a deeper problem in those kind of within, um, I don't want to just say Catholicism, but it's almost in this like kind of right-wing Catholic space um, that I find even more dangerous in a sense. Um, so I started off by saying like, we're, we're kind of in trouble as men because what are our like paragons of masculine virtue for Catholics? You've got on one side, uh, like people like the liver King and Andrew Tate and the other side, you've got like Jordan Peterson. And it's like, is this all we have to look up to? Is this, are these, are, are these the guys that we're putting on our team? Cause if we are. Because if we are, we're we are in trouble, and they are far more dangerous to us. But like, than here's the thing: it's like some, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, my whole rant on all of this stuff yeah. is that we look too much to public figures in general. That's true too. Yeah. Because like, 
Like, like just for example, I was actually I was like kind of tangentially connected. I saw something on Twitter today about um, uh, someone tweeted about a, a priest who married them had died. Uh-huh. Right, I looked him up. Like, seemed actually, I mean, a little young, like not young, young, but like a little young. It was like maybe sixties or something like that. And yeah. mm-hmm. I saw a few tweets. Oh man, that priest was a so. Nobody knows who this priest is, like publicly, but like mm-hmm. just lived a holy life and faithful yeah. service to his vocation. Like that's where we need to be putting our energy and attention to is like these local people who actually are concretely in our lives and our experiences instead of these talking heads. Because here's the thing. Most people on the internet, if they're making money off of it, are there for themselves and not for you. Yeah. So why are we hoping holding them up? Now, I'm not saying that's the university case, obviously, right? But it's just like um, but it's just these people tend to be uh why are we holding them up as like as as the epitome of of everything that I want to live my life by? Mm-hmm. What have what have they concretely shown you locally? How have they invested time in you as a person in your life to warrant this much attention and time? This is my question, right? This is like I'm not saying that we. Oh, not, I have I the answer for you. Okay, okay. I have the answer for you. It's because we are increasingly isolated, yeah. and we don't have a lot of local figures. A lot right. of guys because they're isolated because they don't have local figures. Whether it's uh, a lack of a a um, uh, a father in their own biological father or adoptive father, uh, lack of mentors, lack of community. Um, where did the isolated go to receive connection? The internet, right? And they hear someone like, uh, I think one of the things that Jordan Peterson does well is that he acknowledges pain that men feel. And that rings very true in the heart of a guy. And so then they will gobble up everything he says, whether or not it's crazy, uh, whether or not it's helpful, right? This other thing I found like some people like will only hear like oh this public figure said this thing which I think is true and maybe it even is true but are utterly unaware of the fact that this person <laughs> is terrible like in the, in the in, like so it just brief overview um, the fact that um, uh, Jordan Peterson immediately abandoned all of his clients without letting them know as soon as he started to become famous and go on Canadian television as um, you know. Do people know that Andrew Tate basically advocates selling out your own family and began his uh, worth or his monetary worth doing like basically selling sex work? Like, do you realize who like there's something about the integrity of the people that that will diminish their message or show you that their message is not genuine? That's bad. But we don't we don't do that. Or like, you know, the whole thing with the liver king who is. I, I think is, just, as a figure is hilarious to me. Okay. Um, but like basically his whole deal is like, if you eat uh, raw animal organs, you'll be strong or whatever. And he spends like $16,000 a month on steroids. And anyone who knows anything about fitness would to look at the guy, like yeah, the guy is obviously juiced anywho. Um, but we just kind of, cause we're so desperate um, for mentors, for masculine figures that will cling but, to the first person to ring that know, rings true at all. Sorry, I don't. I hope I'm not like getting off of your topic or anything. No, go ahead. I just this is this is the problem, mm-hmm. and this is why like, um, like, and I say I think this. I I know I recognize there's a bit of an irony saying this. Well, you have a popular podcast, and people look up to what you guys have to say or whatever. I'm like, okay, I get it, but like, we actually don't. We will always say focus locally first. <laughs> we will always yeah. say this, right? We are there. 
I think I think good internet content should be stuff that assists and builds up whatever you're finding locally where you should be most of your energy and time. Uh, mm-hmm. Subsidiarity is like increasingly one of the most important ideas to me in the Catholic Church's social teaching uh, mm-hmm. because the local really does matter. And, Especially and, as we get more interconnected through these other means. So it, it's because like there's a whole issue then around the isolation because we we just pre- like we have we haven't actually had moral questions about the existence of the internet essentially and what it right. does socially because I see this in teenagers now. Mm-hmm. They not my parents, but it's like I've been necessarily, but just like in, in experiences or just in, in popular media or something like that. You're just you're seeing more and more a, a real radical shift from actual any real personal contact. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they don't know how to exist socially anymore. And this right. pre-existed COVID, folks. Like this is not a COVID thing. This is pre-existed. Mm-hmm. I think COVID, COVID definitely like it may exacerbate on the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's it was already there because mm-hmm. like things like the phone and and everything. It's like that's that's how they know how to exist. That's where they find their communities and friends. I mean, and, and I guess mm-hmm. I get it. It happens. It's a reality of the internet. And I think even for myself, like uh, at times where Twitter became something very helpful for me in many ways, but it never. But I realized that more and more, like nah, this is not where I. This is not my fundamental reality. My fundamental job is where I, I am in my parishes and stuff like this. So, and so, when it, it's the cheap answer to actually making the real f the real manly effort to actually find local masculine figures and to actually do that work locally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, and while I agree with that that sentiment, also it's you have how um, when you have a, a young man who doesn't know what he doesn't know, right? or hasn't been taught like you can't expect them to all of a sudden then know what is the right thing to do if that makes sense it it makes sense i guess but that's then that's that's like like, so for example let's say it's a catholic guy right yeah that's a judgment on the parish for not having created a community where they can actually probably Uh be integrated and find other people who could who will just naturally make that happen yeah yeah and this is like this is i mean part of our job as priests is to be a father figure even though some bishops don't like the term spiritual fatherhood it's a deep reality of who we are and what we are called to be um and and bishops same way and also fathers and families um and uh yeah absolutely absolutely it's meant to be lived out more than spoken of but we're gonna keep speaking about it anyway uh yeah yeah um which is to say like i don't there are a lot of guys who are victims yeah. who in being victims also victimize others, right? This is this right. is the, the tragedy of sin. Um, being wounded does not give you permission to wound others. Um, and you are just as culpable for the fact that you do wound others. Uh, but I think a lot of that can be prevented by helping those who are wounded in the first place, if that makes sense. Um, and the fact that so many people on the interwebs are preying on men who are at least at, in the beginning and probably still are looking for genuine meaning, direction, and purpose. The fact that they are preying on them and some even using the guise of being a Catholic to do so saying, don't worry, I'll make sure you become a man and get married. Just pay me $500 and I'll do it for you. Um, that's horrifying. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, vengeance is the Lord's. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but we definitely need to do a better job in local communities and stuff. Um, yeah. Before we go on, anything else? Oh no, I, I've probably detracted, or did, I've probably 
veered off your topic enough for me. No, no, no. The plan was just ranting uh, okay. and talking about my talk and what okay. I may have done well or maybe did not do well. Right. So a lot of the talk was just warning people about like, if they want your money, be wary of them. Yeah. Right. Um, especially if they're Catholic and they want your money. Now, Patreon.com slash clearly speaking. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've gone over <laughs> this before. Um, uh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with being paid for right you know, and i'm not, I'm not saying everyone who's asking for money is is out to get your money no. and is no. a shill no. artist or anything like that right it's not that's not the case no, no. but i think it's part of prudent discernment yes right okay um to to um also warning them about the a kind of stereotypical one-sided or easy version of masculinity um or a kind of masculinity in which gets its purpose from destroying our enemies because this is very much part of the culture war um this is what triggers me about people who use the word woke um the goal is not to fight an ideology but to crush their enemies yeah. um and that's not how we as christians uh approach other right. human beings even home human beings who are dangerous and wrong right? right um in a certain sense we do not have enemies who are people right uh, those are people we're supposed to reach out to in love um that doesn't mean like you are a doormat or that you roll over or anything right. like that. A lot of times, uh, you know, a, a firmness in the way you approach things is the right way to go. Um, but so often we we justify our actions, but instead of looking at our hearts too, or where that where that motivation is coming from. Um, so just to be very careful in your discernment of who you're listening to when it comes to speaking of uh, masculinity. Cynical Anthony has a, a new phrase that I, I'm up oh. saying at different times. Yes, yes. There are no good people. There are no heroes. Um, wow. So we're just looking. We're looking. It's dark, it's, dark, it's an, dark Anthony. It's an overstatement. It's an overstatement. But uh, my goodness, we want so badly for a hero to appear on the internet, and it's just not going to happen. You know, it's just not. That's not how this works. Um, so just be aware of your 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 heroes and guys you think are infallibly good. Um, and I began to try uh, get into a, this is kind of yeah okay my my theory on what it means to be truly masculine some of it I'm absolutely sure of some of it not quite sure of so I'm gonna throw it out here in the last ten minutes that we have here um oh yeah and this is another part of the warning if someone's preaching masculinity without preaching Christ they're not preaching masculinity um and and if they're preaching masculinity without femininity they're not preaching masculinity absolutely i also mentioned uh the fact that a lot of problems and we've talked about this in the podcast before a lot of problems with the church is that in some ways it's too masculine it's lost mm -hmm. the marian dimension mm -hmm. um but so christ on the cross reveals humanity to itself right there you have full god and full man revealing who we are meant to be to each other sacrificial love okay but I think there is a particular lesson for that in men, okay? Uh, which I think is fair to say, which is not to say, like, this is one thing that's tricky with um, theology of the body stuff, is that it can sound like Christ uh, is an image just for men and not women, which is not true. Um, but just just go with me here. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong. And this, is, I think, it ties into my theory of why only men can be priests and this sort of thing as well, is that... Um, we are created for love, right? We are created to be loved by God, love him in return, and to love each other. That's kind of like the whole the whole dang mystery of why we're here. We're gifted into creation for love. Now, once sin enters the world, there cannot be love without sacrifice. This is the effect of sin. That in order to love, there's always going to be sacrifice 
on this earth. Mm-hmm. In heaven, there's not going to be sacrifice. Sacrifice is over. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sort of. So, okay. So Christ's eternal sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, but like we will not have to. Yeah. Good. 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 Well, good. Because like sacrifice is actually not a loss of anything in the Christian tradition. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, that's no, all good. That's no, all like, good. like pagan sacrifice of you give something right. away, you lose it. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, hmm. Mm, I'll just keep going. You can keep yeah, correcting yeah, sorry, my sorry, stuff. Yeah, yeah, sorry. 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 <laughs> um, so both men and women are called to sacrifice yes. in this world. And my, my, my theory is that it, it's, they're both called sacrifice, but in different ways that in a certain way, women have sacrifice built into their bodies. Um, and through through motherhood, which is also manifested in spiritual motherhood as well. I think it's something about being a woman where the sacrifice is more inherent to your uh, the way you were created. Right. Um, just stick with me. For yeah. men, the sacrifice has to be in a different way chosen. So women have to choose to accept the sacrifice inherent in them. Right. Mm-hmm. We know that women can choose to be mothers or not choose to be mothers once they're pregnant. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a choice there, but it's a different kind of choice for men. I think you see this in the failures of men, um, in fatherlessness. It's easier for a man to run away from sacrifice than it is for women, I think. Right, right. right? Because like, Cause the way we're bound. Built. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Christ shows us men how to willingly choose sacrifice, that the sacrifice has to be wounded into our bodies because it's not there inherently. If that makes sense, yeah. right? So yeah. Christ opens up his side um, through the lance of the, the soldier and outpours um, the church. There is a birth in Christ through his woundedness, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of ties into my understanding of um, my personal understanding of why men, um, men need to be priests to reverse the sin of Adam, which is he ultimately ran away from his sacrifice priesthood is an opportunity along with fatherhood but in a different way to choose sacrifice and reverse the sin of of adam after the pattern of christ mm-hmm. um there's a way where that will work for a different way that to approach that with women but i haven't thought about that as much because i'm not a woman and okay. someone can correct me i think there's there's stuff in there anyway okay. um so uh ultimately if you want to get down to like the really core objective thing of what it means to be a man it's in a, it's always going to be a little bit vague, but mm-hmm. in a masculine way to choose sacrifice for others, right? As a man to choose sacrifice for others. This is what Christ does on the cross. This is what a father does. This is what a priest does. This is what a mentor does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so often when you look at these other figures, they're not choosing sacrifice for others. They're making others sacrifice for them. Whether it's give me your money or give me your loyalty or give me your $500 or give me whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. It's calling out others to sacrifice for their own good, whereas a man chooses to pour himself out completely for others. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a way in which even that language can be applied to women, but I think it happen- it's a different manifestation of that same reality of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I hope that was clear. Um, yeah, 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 no, I think I think it makes sense. It's um, I guess, so how I guess my well, actually I have to, my my question is maybe sure. more superficial in some ways, but like, sure. how was it received? You know what? I think it was received well. Um, the the talk, uh, it was because re- I could tell from the questions that the guys were asking, 
I could tell from like I've I've spoken to enough people by now that I know when people are listening and not listening. Yeah, and I've seen both for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I think it was um, two things they really clung to was when I talked about masculine woundedness, you could feel it in that outdoor area, like that that hit them right, right. Um, because so often for men, it's like um, maybe you're wounded, but it's because you weren't strong enough or you weren't enough or you didn't right. do enough, right? And that's a deep woundedness in men because a lot of our, um, how we're built as men is that we are built to do things in a, in a very basic sense. And therefore we put our worth in what we do or don't do. We put our worth in how our physical strength changes the world. What Christ shows us is that our strength comes from him. And a lot of times those sacrifices or what we do is a more hidden thing, but also all the more powerful. It is in the quiet sacrifice of Joseph. It is in the quiet sacrifice of a father. It's in the quiet sacrifice mm-hmm. of a priest that you are exuding your strength, which ultimately comes from Christ. Not whether or not you can lift, lift a big rock or accomplish a physical task, right? Mm-hmm. So they really gravitated toward that. Um, I think they gravitated when I was speaking about Jesus because <laughs> they're good guys. These are all good guys searching for the truth and they definitely listened to that. Um, so I think it was well received. Um, at the very least, it was because I, I, while I, I joke about me being a big lib, um, I, I do not present as such in my preaching <laughs> or in the way I talk um, right. when, I, when yeah, I'm yeah, preaching, yeah. right? Um, I, I, I strive to be as orthodox as I possibly can be. Yep. Um, and I, I think I established some credibility with that and some other things I said. Mm-hmm. So here you have something they don't see a lot. And like I said, I'm not perfect at this at all, but at least I was one small example of this thing, or at least trying to be that, is that I was someone who was relatively reliable as a messenger attacking somebody else who they thought was reliable as a messenger. Right. Right. And that if that just gives them pause to think, then that was about as good as you can hope for in a half hour talk. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think it went well. Okay. Um, the one thing that the doubt is because I, I, I find it very difficult to talk about these things because yeah. it feels like a minefield with with uh, how we've been formed culturally and even been formed in the church in some ways, not by the church herself, but like members of the church. So. So I, I left me like, okay, Lord, I did my best. Hopefully that was helpful to people. I'll leave it to you. And mm-hmm. then a few weeks later, I was like, this would make a great podcast topic. So here we are. Right. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, I think, yeah. It's, I think it's important to address. I just think like we need to be, I think you did like the right thing to try and say like, let's get away. So like you're acknowledging that the fact that because of like the culture out there has kind of wrapped up these fears around masculinity, you wanted yeah. to address it. But to yeah. not do it in the way the culture is doing it, right? So that you can say, no, we need to be Catholics about how we approach this. And I think that's, exactly. I, I just think that's just like, I, I just find that happens so little. And I think that's mm-hmm. the sadness of, and that's like I, for me, that the question is often not so much about okay, how are we going to present this topic or whatever it, on this question. It's we need to think more deeply about the effects of internet culture and isolation mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. that's doing to the human person, uh, because um, by not. Because um, these are the weird effects it's having. Because like, like I remember, for example, like when I was first, recently after my con- conversion, like there was a it was like a men's retreat day. I think it was like Father Spitzer, Robert Spitzer, came out to mm. to do a day in our in Victoria, 
and there's like 150 guys there, right? And there was mm-hmm. no one talking about like any of these masculine masculinity crises there then, right? Yeah. But it was just about no, it's good for guys to come together and to learn yeah. from one another, Absolutely. and and to grow in 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 what it means to be a a Catholic man uh, today. And it was good and it was beautiful. Um, and I thought it was really helpful for um, for everyone. You don't need to, there doesn't need to be some nebulous evil force out there mm-hmm. in all of this. Because yeah. guess what there is? It's called sin. Yeah, sin, Satan, the enemy. Yeah. So like, but yeah. again. That's, so, that's the bad guy. Yes. And here's the thing. So like <laughs> when you're kind of blaming X cultural movement or Y cultural movement, you are, you're actually playing into the enemy's hand by removing mm-hmm. the attention from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the reason these words are so nebulous it gives us like it, it gives us this weird feeling of I am I actually know what I'm attacking. We actually have mm-hmm. there's no organization, there's no people behind it. Like like there are people behind, but it's like there's nothing, there's no centralizing force. It's it which is actually the work of the evil one, by the way. He likes to do mm-hmm. that. Um, there's mm-hmm. nothing concrete to actually go after. So, but it gives you the sense, the semblance that that's exactly what's there. Right, it's and just that's the part danger, of a right? problem where yeah. we want to slay an enemy instead of following Christ. Yeah, we want to solve it ourselves instead of um, the vulnerability mm-hmm. of. Like, and I mean, yeah. that, there's a word that I think there's a word that I think has a lot of power that is often mm-hmm. avoided in these discussions is to be a man is also to be vulnerable. Absolutely, because that's what Christ does. There's ultimate strength vulnerability. Yes. The whole reason why Christ can just just face death on the cross being ultimately vulnerable is because he's ultimately strong yes and he willingly chooses to be crucified and he willingly chooses to go into hell that is that is a deeper strength than bravado right you know yeah yep cool okay that's good that's good enough um yeah cool all right um so one programming note i'm on vacation next week so there's not gonna be we're going to be, a, gonna on be a, a we're probably going to be on a two week rotating basis for the summer until yeah, then like yeah, you're that's back. Probably for, the best you're, estimate because you're away for you're away for a week and then you're back and then we're, we're going to try to record every week but then I'm away for three weeks with World Youth Day yeah. so that way if we record when you're back before I leave we can kind of spread them out and then when we're both back we can probably get on a more regular thing yeah good. so we're doing our best like, don't get us wrong we 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 like doing this we like mm-hmm. uh podcasting and it, yep. it seems to be helpful so we want to keep doing it it's just you know a weird time it's been so. yeah and i mean like things are getting better on my end uh scheduling wise mm-hmm. i pray i hope and, and and everything um uh but it's um yeah, yeah. It's, it's just you know in the end it's like what's going to take priority for us is our parishes and our yeah. local ministry again because that's the that's the I, I like for me actually one of the reasons i like doing the podcast uh, like i'll be honest actually when we had a break i was like should i get back to this um but actually i heard from a lot of parishioners who said i know i love listening to the podcast because i know you're busy it's hard to get time with you all the time this gives us a little share in your life that we don't yeah well, that, see, that's hard is, and that's a good is, thing this is the good part of yeah. the internet as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's it's very yeah. nuanced. Anywho, yeah. anyway. thanks for sticking with us, guys. Um, and please keep sending in your theological emergencies. We got a handful of really good ones, so we got a couple in the bank. But keep keep on sending them in, and so that I can make fun of you and then answer your question. Um, thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me destroying the woke mind virus. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> reflecting on Wes Anderson's new film, Asteroid City. 
Ooh. Contact the podcast and receive updates at Clerical Pod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Do you have a theological emergency? Call 412-912-7995. That's 412-912-7995. Peace. God bless.